Let us pray. Stir our hearts, illumine the path set before us, lead us and inspire us in the way of love. We pray this in the name of Christ, amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It is a joy to be back here at Trinity, a community in which I spent a few years of formation, and so coming back is a joy, and I'm ever thankful for my time in your midst, uh, for serving alongside an amazing staff, uh, and being part of an amazing mission. Uh, My name is David Chavez, and I serve as canon for Border Ministries. Uh, with the Episcopal Diocese of Arizona. I am your canon to Border Ministries, for Border Ministries. I serve on the bishop's team, and I share an office at the diocesan uh, offices, but also I am in my car most of the time. Uh, It's a wonderful joy to be here with you this morning. When we make our way through the Gospel of Luke, we're presented with instances of practices that came to shape and inform the early group of Christ followers and continue to shape and form us today. For example, the prophetic tradition that comes through as the prophets figure prominently throughout the Lucan narrative, and who could forget Mary's prophetic voice and vision that comes rumbling off the early pages of Luke's good news a prophetic message that many throughout the history of the church and empire have tried to silence and domesticate. There's also this practice of hospitality in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has time. Jesus abides. Jesus lingers. He also invites the other, the outsider, to sit a spell to open their hearts, to share openly. And in many ways, in many instances, whether through words or actions, to instruct that small group of befuddled disciples in the ways of the kingdom of God. Recall the woman at the well, Mary, Martha, variety of other characters that come to the fore with countless stories and ways of expressing the way of the kingdom of God. These are outsiders, outsiders that are not problematic to the will and way of love, but are actually protagonists in what God is up to in the life and ministry of Jesus. You see, in God's kingdom, hospitality is about the kind of dwelling and lingering that challenges us, that transforms us, and that makes evident this kingdom of love and reconciliation. There's also this, you could say, practice of disruption. Disruption to the centers of power, even the centers of learning. You find Jesus spends quite a bit of time out on the periphery, out on the margins, out in public, preaching, teaching, in places that are quite possibly not right, pagan places, among outcasts, among folks on the margins. He spends time, yes, in the temple. And well, we know what happens when he spends time in the temple. The prophetic arises. 
people are healed, restored, reconciled, once again gaining a sense of identity as they are pronounced as children of Abraham, the children of God, restored and healed. And while this disruption continues, Jesus disrupts our way of being and reminds us that we are more than what we depend on. Sometimes using creation as a way to make the point. There are those moments when Jesus gets to the heart of the matter in our hearts to disrupt the cycles that sometimes run and ruin our lives. Jesus points to the birds and to the flowers of the field and, and in essence basically asks, when have you seen a bird suffer anxiety over its stature or the color of its feathers? Relax, Jesus says. Receive who you are in God and discover that you have all that you've been looking for. This disruption here really addresses the malaise that I and many of them suffer when we, when we depend on things for our own identity. Position, power, place, status, things. When have you seen a bird worry or a flower or get stressed out, Jesus is in essence saying. Jesus invites us to exist, to, to, to step into life to be present fully. I know this sounds a bit Buddhist, but Jesus and the Buddha would have us really interrogate those attachments that so run and ruin our lives. And Jesus points to a way that disrupts us from our scurrying and scavenging in order to discover, as Anthony DeMello once wrote, what it's like to acquire what we already possess. And so the Gospel of Luke takes us through this journey of hospitality, of disruption, of invitation, of lingering, of being as Jesus in our Gospel narrative today, of one who goes, as it's the Gospel lesson states, through the region between Samaria and Galilee. Jesus is at the border of Samaria and Galilee, lingering at the borderlands of life, Jesus locates his ministry in that particular space. And I think that that is where the gospel lands in our own lives. Because whether we recognize it or not, we live with borders. Borders that shape the way that we understand our place in the world. Borders that shape our decisions. Borders that find their ways to somehow shape and form our vision and version of reality. The enclaves that we belong to. The ideas, concepts, and ideas that, that allow us to live with binaries of those who belong and those who don't belong. And in this case, Jesus steps into this border region, this liminal space. And the Gospel of Luke invites us to go with Jesus to this space and continues to invite us to go beyond the borders that so shape and inform our perspective on the other, on the stranger, on our very own hearts. Jesus is in the region between Samaria and Galilee. Once again on the outside, enters a village. Ten lepers approach him. Keeping their distance, they call out. What you see here is the structure of a particular mode of living that insists on distance as part of what it means to exist as a leper in society. 
theologically shaped, also due to the concerns for health and wellness in the community. There is this sense in which the distance they keep shows us a bit about the reality in which they live. They have a distance between Jesus and themselves, and they call out, Master, have mercy on us. And Luke reminds us that when he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they made, and they were made clean on the way. This is powerful. This is powerful because, in, in many ways, the work that we're doing at the Diocese of Arizona along the U.S.-Mexico border is to take the gospel, to be the gospel, in those spaces, those liminal spaces, of the borderlands. But also, in a world where we view the migrating neighbor through statistics and data, where individuals are reduced to the numbers, reduced to an A number or an alien number, or to the sound bites that we see across the televisions or on our smartphones, wherever we receive our news. When individuals are reduced to data, they lose their visibility. And here we see that living in this space also beckons us to insist on the visibility of the other. But these are just not lepers. These are actually individuals who belong to communities, to families, who find themselves in this situation. And I think that the, the witness that we provide along the U.S.-Mexico border, at La Casa de Misericordia, through the work of Cruzando Fronteras, which is our diocesan borderland ministry, is to insist on the visibility of the migrating neighbor that they are more than simply the numbers, more than simply the scare tactics and the rhetoric and the sound bites, that they are actually, as the Scripture reminds us, Samaritans, individuals rooted in a history, individuals rooted in dreams and hopes, people and siblings in Christ. So the gospel invites us to think about how we create or co-create the borders that make our lives possible, the privileges that we depend on, the concepts we use to manage our anxiety before the other in those spaces that seem threatening and scary. Jesus steps into the borderlands. Samaritans are there. And as our psalm reminds us, he sent redemption to his people. There's this sense in which this group of disciples, suddenly there's a lesson to be learned by the other, by the outsider, by the foreigner. There is something to be gained here. And Jesus reminds the disciples that this is what is taking place here. That what you may see is a foreigner who's stepped out of their place is no longer really has this great need and, well, he's a foreigner and does not deserve the grace and goodness of God. And then the voice of the foreigner, the actions of the foreigner, the performance of the foreigner in our passage reminds us that God is at work beyond the reach of our ideas of where God can traffic and go. And Jesus reminds us, step into that place. Go. Be present be visible by your grace and embrace and faithful welcome. You make visible what others would keep invisible 
and out, those who don't belong. And so the work that we do is to insist that these are siblings in Christ, bearers of the image of God. The migrating neighbor is not here to take over, take away, to destroy, to pillage. The migrating neighbor comes with something we need to learn. And so Luke reminds us that whenever we venture beyond our comfort zones, whenever we venture beyond the familiarity, whenever we venture beyond the borders that we create, we discover the kingdom at work in ways that remind us that we're all children of God. And it begins by becoming visible. Now, Samaritans were half Jews, half Assyrian. There's a hybridity there kind of like me. My father is from Mexico. My mother's from Honduras. And that sense of hybridity is part of this text, that there is the sense in which recognizing that particular aspect of an individual is important for their even the sense of visibility in the world. Go show yourself, Jesus says. They were healed, and they turned back praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Not only visible, but audible, to hear, to listen to the voice of the other, to hear praise, grace, and mercy, a disruption, those moments wherein The other speaks and announces the kingdom of God, the kingdom of grace, the power of reconciliation. That's important. So who are the invisible people in your life? Who are the inaudible communities in your circles of influence? And what would it take to open your heart to begin to see them and to listen and hear and open your heart to hear God speak through them into your heart Perhaps they are the salvation that comes to us from God. At least that's what I insist. Whenever I'm out at La Casa de Misericordia and my partner in crime, Kathleen, we're there not simply to be helpers, but we're also there to take shelter. Because the shelter, at times, becomes a place where others shelter, where we show up to shelter, to be reminded of the basics of life, to be reminded about community, the importance of all of us existing with hearts filled with thanksgiving, of accompanying one another. I've taken groups over, and some have commented, I never knew I needed shelter. I never knew I needed to see what it's like to live freely, to say no to death-dealing systems, some systems that have been put afoot by the capitalism that runs many of our lives, systems that have turned neighborhoods into extractive zones, communities that have been destroyed by international corporations that have come into neighborhoods where folks have existed for generations, 
and turn their lives upside down, and they come migrating because the systems have created corruption at all levels, and to say no to that is to say yes to life. They make their way, and we encounter the migrating neighbor who has said yes to life. We come to the shelter to hear that message of what it means to say no to something in order to say yes to life, to hope, to future, to unburden ourselves of the many things that we depend on in order to have some sense of identity in the morning, to unburden ourselves of all of the ideas that populate our hearts and minds and control and run and ruin our lives that in some insidious way make us co-creators of borders. The shelter reminds us that we are all sojourners on this journey of faith and that Jesus goes before us and invites us to hear the voice, to see the face, and to join arms together with the migrating other as we go together on this way of love. And so I pray that we all seek in our hearts to have our eyes open, our ears ready, and our hearts opened and ready to walk with the one who goes to those places where we discover grace, reconciliation, the love of God in the face of the other and our siblings, the grace of God in the embrace of God, and above all, the welcome of a God who says, welcome. Welcome, son, daughter, welcome. Welcome to the embrace of God. Amen.